We certainly honor the fathers in the service this morning. Some of the greatest spiritual fathers on earth are right here. And these great young men who, along with their good wives, are rearing these children, as Robert noted in the Lord's nurture and admonition, nurturing them along in things divine, implanting in their young hearts divine truths that will guide their thinking because it's the thinking of God throughout their life. Hopefully if the world stands, one day they'll be husbands themselves, bearing children according to the thinking of God that will guide them home at last. What a wonderful thing it is to see a family unit united in the truth of the thinking of God set forth in God's mind revealed in the Bible. Another Christian, these good men, along with their wives who were doing such phenomenal work in their family unit. very troubling and causing her some difficulty. She's got a fever with it this morning. I believe it's going to the doctor again in the morning. But uh, it's, it's been a troubling thing. Uh, they're having difficulty trying to determine exactly what's going on with this. So let's uh, remember her along with our brother. This is the fourth and final lesson in this brief or Panama's brief series of lessons on Joseph. One of the greatest fathers who ever lived because God chose him to be the father of his to Joseph before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph her husband being a just man was minded to put her away privately not willing to make her a public example. He loved her He was But while he thought on these things, the holy angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to be delivered thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Oh, how comforting were these words to the mind of this good man. Saying, Behold, the virgin shall be a child, shall pay for the son, 
there's like a mental hell waiting to with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep, did and he took the Lord to the Jews, took unto him his wife, and knew her not. He was called to the first son, and he called his name Jesus. Afraid of error. The masses of the world.
love sin because they love sin. Men practice sin because they love sin. Along with their feminine counterparts. The masses of the world have never been afraid of biblical error along with Over half the church today have lost their fear of biblical error. And have established the church of liberalism right in the midst of the church that Jesus said, I will build and get build on the cause of Acts 2, the product of the gospel priest and the gospel of Christ. disturbs this marital relationship that I'm going to allow the innocent party in a marriage where that has come to be a reality to set aside that mate and make another marriage. 1 Corinthians 6.18 gives us insight into the why of Matthew 19.9 and kindred passages. No wonder due to the Inconceivable, and it is.
and press all the way through the need to be obedient to God. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole of man. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Matthew 7 21. Remember that's the answer when people ask you, do you think I've got to do this, that, or the other? I've got to be a, a member of the church of Christ in order to go to heaven? Don't get caught up in arguments about that. Just say, well, I, I just believe what the Lord said about that. Who's going to heaven? The Lord said, not those who just say, Lord, Lord, but those who do the will of God. I believe that those who do the will of God are going to heaven. And those who do not are, 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 are not going to die in hope of heaven. That's the Lord's answer to that question. So are you interested in the will of God? Don't allow yourself to be pushed into a corner over questions like that. Just let the Lord answer the question. Now, if they want to argue with God about it, that's their business. But don't let them argue with you. You're not the author of it. You don't have the answer to the question on your own. That's, that's a question God answers. Who's going to heaven, Lord? Those who do the will of my Father. That's it. Galatians 3 verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? 1 Peter 1 verse 22, seeing ye have purified your souls. How do we do that? In obeying the truth. We need to have that obedient spirit. Are you wise or foolish? Matthew 7, that great Sermon on the Mount, closes with that beautiful portrait the little children know. The rain, the storms, the wind. There's a house built on the thinking of God. It's going to stand. That's the wise man who builds this house on the thinking of God. But then the storms come on this house that's built on the thinking of man. It's not going to last. The wise man built his house on God's thinking, God's word. The foolish man built his house on his own thoughts, his own thinking. The house didn't last when the storm came. Joseph was a man who was obedient. He just got up and did what God said. Thirdly, he had an honorable occupation. An honorable occupation. Matthew 13, 55. Is not this the carpenter's son? The statement about Christ. We, we know this man. He was reared here among us. He's the son of Joseph the carpenter. Joseph was not lazy or indolent. He was not looking for a welfare check. He was not on the dole of life. He worked hard for a living. Being a carpenter is one of those kinds of jobs. When you get through a day's work as a carpenter, you're ready for bed at night. Even if you wanted to go out and play the fool with others who are playing the fool. You don't have the energy left to do it. You work too hard. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much. But the abundance of the weak, of the rich, will not suffer him to sleep. Ecclesiastes 5.12. The sleep of a laboring man, like Joseph the carpenter, is sweet. He loves to sit down at his wife's table 
But there are some nights when he's having hard, a hard time getting his fork with food to his mouth because he's so worn out. He's just physically weary. He can't wait to hit the bed. Carpentry is a great occupation. 1 Timothy 5 verse 8 talks about a man who works hard and a man who does not. I've forgotten the text, so I've got to turn and read it. That's all I do these days, as you rather than well know. I say it with a smile now. I finally got to the PowerPoint that I've listened to Cherry's preaching, and I, I just say it with a smile because I'm tired of driving myself crazy over all that I've forgotten. Let's see what it says. Here it is. He was right there all the time. Wow. But if any provide not for his own, he's talking about physical provisions. Think about this. This is a man who will not provide physically for his family. And especially for those of his own house. He has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. What could be worse than an atheist? It's a man who does not work for a living when he can and is able. And refuses to provide for the physical and material needs of his family. Now think about this. If refusing to work hard and provide for the physical material needs of the family makes one worse than an infidel. Now you tell me, how much worse is it for a man not to be the spiritual head of his house and provide for the spiritual needs of his family? That is something worthy of contemplation. There are a lot of men in our environment that work hard to provide for the physical things. But don't give a plug cent worth of thought about providing for what the family really needs. And that's the spiritual needs of the family. Go on and do that. Give your teenager a brand new car when he's 16. Pay for it yourself. I mean, just shower him with all kinds. Send him to the uh, UCLA's and the Harvard's and the Yale's of the world so they can have their faith destroyed. Give them the best of every physical thing and then neglect to supply their spiritual needs the thing they need the most. And then when you stand side by side on the day of judgment, see what your sons and your daughters say about you. They're going to praise you for being a great daddy. And providing all those physical things? You know the answer to that question. Let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that hath need. Honest labor is an honorable thing. Some people spend more time trying to get out of work than actually working. As well you know. They want a big fat paycheck for little work. And if they can get by with it, for no work. Just give me a check. That'll make me happy. And then closely related to what we've just stated in regard to honorable occupation, he was the spiritual head of his house. The spiritual head of his house. That was the most important thing. As you read this, this brief story, not the story of Mary and Jesus. That's the way it's often read. And just about every time by our denominational, uh, pardon me, neighbors. It is the story of Joseph 
Mary, and Jesus. As I noted earlier, after the angel's initial appearance to Mary, every other such appearance is to Joseph. Matthew 2 records three such occasions. Joseph took the spiritual head of his household. He was the spiritual head. Reminiscent of Manoah. You remember that? And I know you do. This is a outside of uh, the 15 years Jerry and I spent in Thompson. This is uh, the most studied Bible church I know of. I I've never met a congregation more biblically studied than this, this church. So you know well the story of Judges 13. Angel appeared to Manoah's wife, verses 2 to 7, says, You're going, she'd been barren. Didn't have children. You're going to have a son. Here's, what's, here's the way I want you to rear him. Here's what I want you to teach him. Well, Manoah wasn't present. So his wife went running home and says, I, A man of God have come. This is what's going to happen. We're we going to have a son. He, he, he told, him, told me exactly how we're going to rear him. He said, He went back to the Lord in prayer. He said, that, that man that you sent to talk to my wife, could you please send him back and show us how we are to order the child? Oh, what a spiritual father he was. Samson didn't live up to the spiritual teaching he got at home. But that was because of his own Bad choices about bad women. An ungodly woman who wants to destroy a godly man has the power to often do it. And I've known a number of godly men, a number of godly men, who allowed an ungodly woman to destroy them. And there's some instances where these ungodly men and women set out to do it. They know how to be physically seductive like Cain's descendants. We've talked about that before. There were beautiful women in Seth's line. But they knew how to clothe their sexuality in spiritual truths. But those ungodly women on Seth's side did not know how to do that. And so they wore their sexuality right out there where everybody could see it. And they were seductive with it. And they loved to express their art of sedu seduction on those righteous men. And they destroyed them to the degree that every imagination of the thoughts of their heart was on the evil continually. Manoah wanted to know how to order this son. Spiritual headship is the most significant role of a husband and father. And thus we honor you, you men, you fathers in this audience. You're taking that as you ought. One of the greatest commendations God ever gave to a man, he gave to Abraham. I know him that he will teach and instruct and order his children after him. They shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment. Genesis 18, 19. You remember the statement of Joshua, and from me and my house, we're going to serve God. I don't know what you're going to do, but I can tell you what we're going to do. We're going to serve God. Joshua 24, 14, 15. Wives need spiritual husbands and children need spiritual fathers. 
A wife's greatest need is not a beautiful house, a new car, the best clothes to buy, and the best restaurants in which to eat. That's all well and good in its place. But the greatest need relative to her home that a wife and mother needs is a spiritual husband who will be the spiritual father to these children she's brought into the world. And Joseph was the spiritual head of his house. He did not use his financial status as an excuse. Leviticus 12, 1 to 8 talks about a woman bearing a child and then at the end thereof, eight days she's to take that child to the priest with a lamb. But if she's not able to afford a lamb, she can take two turtles or two pigeons. Well, when Mary gave birth to Jesus in the flesh, Luke 2, 22 to 23, they took him to Jerusalem, the priest. And they gave the doves to turtle doves. They were poor. Joseph was a poor man. He could not afford the extras of life. He did not use that as, as an excuse for not doing his best. How many members of the church in the country would be considered poor in this country today? I doubt that you could find one member of the Lord's church that would be counted truly poor. Truly poor. And yet, they can have tons of excuses for not doing better than they do. Most have more than they can say adequate thanks over. But they don't have the attitude of gratitude about it. And they don't do right with regard to it. Mark 12, 41 to 44, Jesus is sitting there watching people coming by. And I, I picture that in my mind. There's the Son of God. He's just sitting there and observing people as they come by and throw money in the treasury. And then he beckoned to his his apostles said, come over here. I'll, I want to talk to you about something. You see that treasure box there? You, you see all those rich folk? But they're putting in a lot of money in there. You see that widow? You see what she put in there? All were living. She was poor. A couple of little coins amount to a penny or two maybe. She put in all her living. She gave more than all the others. And the next chapter pictures a woman while he's in the house of Bethany taking that expensive ointment and anointing his body. And they question the wisdom of that. Why you could sell that and give all these poor people could benefit. The Lord said, listen, you're going to have the poor with me, with you all the time. The poor are always here. I'm just here for a short while. She's anointed my body for the burying. She has done what she could. That's all God expects of us. Just do what we can with what we have. And then he made that great statement, wherever the gospel is preached from now on until the end of time, what this woman has done will be spoken of as a memorial of her. And that's what we're doing right now, 2,000 years later. What a memorial. Joseph did not use his financial status. He was a poor man. But he did not use that as an excuse for not doing his best. And then finally, he was useful to God. 
Look at the role that Joseph played in the redemption of humanity. Because of his godly character. Godliness was his choice for life. 1 Timothy 4, 8. There's some, some merit in physical exercise. And I believe in that. And I've done that all my life. I'm, I'm avid about physical exercise and trying to keep my body strong. I'm 75 years old. But I want to be here as long as I can. I don't want to leave Cherry by herself. Just don't. I know I'm just mouthing what you husbands and fathers feel about this matter. And so I'm going to stay around as long as I can. Now, if I were to lose my health tomorrow and, and, and I was right at becoming dependent on her, I'd beg God to let me die. I literally would beg God to let me die. And I pray every day, Lord, don't, don't let me out, outlive my usefulness. Don't, don't let me live so long that I get to where I'm going to be a burden on anybody else. I can't stand that. I, I could not live with that. It'd be the biggest trial that I could ever face. I, I don't want to be a burden on anybody, especially my wife. So I try to take care of my body. I exercise. I try to eat right. Call, and she counts my calories. I don't particularly like that sometimes. But uh, you know, she counts my calories, and I, I appreciate all that. She's looking after my physical health. She wants me around as ornery as I can be. But she wants me around uh, as long as I can be around. Godly, you know, bodily exercise profiteth little. Well, what is he comparing it to? Godliness. And yet he still says it profits something. It's little in comparison. Nothing compares to godliness. Godliness is profitable unto all things. But there's still some merit in physical exercise. That's a positive thing about physical exercise, not a negative some of my preacher brethren do not like exercise, like to quote that to justify they're not taking care of themselves physically. And exercising, that's the wrong use of that passage. In contrast to godliness, which is the greatest thing, there's merit in physical exercise. So I take God as a word about that, and I, I try to take care of my, my physical body. God can do great things through godly men and women like Joseph. Joseph is an example of how to live. And how to die. No wonder. He was useful. He was useful to his heavenly father. This is a great lesson for today especially. Didn't plan it that way. But you young men who are fathers in bringing up these children. Couldn't find a better place to look than this man Joseph. That God chose to be the physical father of his fleshly son during those days of his youth. If you're present, never obey the gospel. We encourage you by faith, repent of your sins, confess Christ, be baptized into Christ. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You've done that in straight away or sin in some public way, need the prayers of the church. We want to help you if you'll come while we stand and sing.
come whosoever will praise God for full salvation for whosoever will all things are ready come to the feast come for the door is open wide a place of honor is reserved for you at the Master's side. Hear the invitation, come whosoever will, praise God for full salvation. For whosoever will, all things are ready. Come to the feast, leave every care and worldly strife. Come feast upon the love of God and drink everlasting life. Invitation, come whosoever will, praise God for full salvation, for whosoever will. Thank you, Brother Chester, for that fine lesson. Thankful for the work that you put into it. Uh, we'll have, uh, if you'll turn to our closing song, number 150, we'll sing that in a moment, number 5150. As was mentioned, we'll meet again here at 530 for the memory class and then 6 o'clock uh, worship hour. Number 150. We'll sing verses 1 and 3. Verses 1 and 3 led in a closing prayer and then dismissed. Thankful for the uh, visitors that have come today. Let us sing. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest Place 
fullness, joy and peace near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus, bless, Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. Hold us to wait before Thee, near to the heart of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the blessing, the, the, the absolute blessing it is to worship your name, to, to look at your, your word, and, and to let it teach us of what we can do to be more like you. We thank you so much for, for you being our father and, and giving us the chance to be your children and how generously you've provided for us both the physical and, and the spiritual things that we, that we are able to glean from your word. Lord, please help us to always be godly people, as godly as we possibly can to bring others to you, so that way they can have the relationship that we are able to share through Jesus Christ with you. Lord, please be with, please be with us as we depart. Please help us and forgive us when we sin and fall short and to be more like Christ. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.